just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your weekend is going well. I'm recording this in the early morning hours of a Sunday. And of course, on Sundays, not a lot of news being generated. Not a lot about politics or anything else. That said, in this podcast, we'll talk about some of those things, some of those stories that are happening currently. But to start things out, I decided to go on a little bit of a tangent, something different than I would normally talk about on the Rational Boomer podcast. And the only reason I'm bringing it up, because it started out to be just kind of a throwaway thing I was going to say at the beginning of the podcast, then get into the meat of the program. But as I began to think about it, I realized something. There's more to the story. It's kind of synchronatic, a lot of synchronicity in this story that goes back 40 years. I found that intriguing, so I thought I'd think, what the hell? We'll see if they think it's intriguing. So my wife and I were sitting around, and we were deciding what we were going to do for a Saturday night. And what we decided to do is to go to a women's gopher hockey game. They were playing St. Thomas, a local private college. It was more of an exhibition. Now, I'll be honest with you. My wife and I go to a lot of women's gopher hockey games. Have for many years. We have season tickets. That's our favorite place to go if we want to watch sports. Now, you're probably thinking, well, you have all these pro teams. The Vikings haven't been worth a damn since the 70s or 80s. The uh, Twins haven't won a World Series for 30 years. The Minnesota Timberwolves basketball team, they haven't done anything in the 35 years they've been here. Now, the Minnesota Wild, the hockey team, I like them. But I'll be perfectly honest with you. When we lost the North Stars, when they blew town, I really loved the North Stars. And then when the Wild came back in, I had a family, had other things going. I never gained a connection to the Wild, so I'm not as attracted to watching them. Now, women's go for hockey is a little different story. In 12 years, they've won seven national titles. They're always good. They're always winning. They always have great teams. So if for no other reason... We like going seeing the women's gopher hockey team because it's fun. They play some incredible hockey, and they're winning a lot. It's the one chance we have as Minnesota natives to watch a winning team, and we enjoy it a lot, and we go. It's not crowded. It's not expensive. It's just a nice afternoon to watch a sporting event. But what's really intriguing about this (laughs) is how we ended up going there. That's the weird story, and it kind of goes back all the way 40 years. And I'll explain to you how. Now, when I was growing up in South Minneapolis, I had a very close friend who went on to play college hockey, pro hockey, and even played on the um, 1980 Miracle on Ice team. His name is Mike Ramsey. We grew up a couple blocks away. We were friends. We played sports together. And uh, we were very good friends. In fact, I still talk him this day, to this day. I see him infrequently, but... We do have occasion to talk. Now, I went to college with Mike Ramsey and a couple of other friends. And we're at the college running around doing what we do. He's going to play hockey for the University of Minnesota, the team that went on to win the national championship in 1979. And I'm hanging out with this friend of mine, Mike Ramsey, at the University of Minnesota. And he comes up to me one day and he says, Hey, Maury, that's what they used to call me. I don't know why. It, well, it kind of ties in with my last name. But anyway, he says, dude, you got to do me a favor. I said, what? He said, I talked to this girl today, and they've got some kind of hockey club for girls. And we go, what the fuck is that? He said, I promised I would go watch their game. Would you go with me? I go, Mike, I don't want to do that. <laughs> he said, come on, dude. I said, all right. So we both go over to watch this hockey game, and I say that not quite a game. It really was the Gopher women's team back then was a club. 
and the level of talent wasn't great because it was a new sport. This was new to the girls. Girls never played hockey back in 1979. So we watched this event. And honestly, it was a little hard to watch because it wasn't very good. We're used to watching the Minnesota Gophers and Mike Ramsey's team do this. And we're used to watching high-level hockey. I happened to work for the radio station that did the broadcast for the Gopher hockey games. So I was at every game that my friends were playing in and involved in the broadcast. So I'm seeing every Minnesota Gopher men's hockey team there is that year. So anyway, <laughs> we, we watched this, this uh, club play. Not very impressive. After the game, I meet the uh, young woman who's on the team. I tried to be very nice about it. I said, well, you know, it's not the men, but, you know, at least you're trying out there. It's good. And I got to know the woman who was part of that team and got my friend to bring me in. Okay, no big deal. A couple of years later, I'm in a bar with some other friends. That friend, Mike Ramsey, isn't with us, but I'm with a bunch of other friends. I see that woman across the room, the woman that was on the hockey team, across the room. And I'm going to say hi, and then I realize, but she's standing with another woman that I don't know, kind of interested in. So I'm thinking, nice. (laughs) So I wave at her. I go over to her, and uh, we start talking. She introduces me to the other woman. And, uh, And so... I get to talk to the other woman, and you can imagine I was smooth as hell at 21 years old. (laughs) No, I wasn't. But I got talking to her, and that woman happened to be my wife of 38, 39 years. So that woman was responsible for meeting my wife almost 40 years ago. And we get married, we stay married, we have kids, we have grandkids, and here we are today living in a condo in Minnesota. And... That's interesting enough, as it is. So we go ahead a number of years. Our kids have grown up. Grown up. You know, they're probably anywhere from 17 to 22. And I'm talking about all my friends and all their kids. And one day, my friend, Mike Ramsey from high school, we still talk now and again. He calls me up and he says, Morty, you want to do me another favor? Go see another hockey game. really? Okay, what are you talking about? He said, my daughter is playing on the University of Minnesota women's gopher hockey team. We're trying to get people out there to experience it, to have fun, and expose women's hockey. Would you go out with uh, your wife and check out the game? I said, sure, no problem. We'd love to do it. So we go out to the game. And uh, my wife and I are out there. We see Mike and his wife and some other people we know because there are other hockey people that we're familiar with and we're watching the game. And I was absolutely blown away. I mean, it was crazy. These girls were exceptionally talented. I'm thinking about the guys back in 79, and they got nothing on these girls today. These girls are pretty amazing, and they put out an incredible show. And my uh, buddy's daughter was very impressive. Here's this very attractive, tall woman who can also play hockey like her father. And it was a great thing to do. It was, it was outstanding. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of interesting now when I got to think about it that Mike Ramsey brought me to that first club game and now this game and now we're exposed to women's go for hockey. My wife's really into it. I love the sport. And... Uh, Then my wife and I decided to go down to Arizona just a week or so ago to see the Minnesota Gopher football team play in a bowl game in Phoenix. (laughs) And I never guess who we stayed with. We have some friends that live in Arizona. And the woman just happens to be that very same woman that introduced my wife and I 40 years ago. It's amazing how these friendships tie together. And they point you in different directions as you come up against them. Little things like going to a women's go for hockey game. 
And what's really interesting, from that point, we saw those games that my friend asked me to come watch. We were a permanent fixture. Now, my, my friend's daughter graduated from college. She's no longer on the team. And uh, my friend and his family don't come out to the games very much because he doesn't have a daughter on the team. But my wife and I, we've got season tickets. We go all the time. We go all the time. We've even flown out to national championship games in Connecticut and other places where this team has played and won and lost and all those sorts of things. It's amazing how things piece together like that. I'm now 61 years old. I met my wife when I was 21. 40 years later, now my wife and I are going to go for games. Women go for games. Still appreciating and liking the same things that we liked way back when. And the people responsible for us and staying connected to us are the people we knew 40 years ago. It just seems strange to me. There seemed to be a lot of synchronicity there that I never thought about until I actually did it. So that's a long way of saying, saying, what did you do yesterday? Well, we went to the Gopher women's hockey game, and now you know why. (laughs) And you know why or know how we got there. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't seem interesting to you. It does to me. And I've just wasted 11 minutes. So, so be it. (laughs) Anyway, let's talk about some of the things that are going in the news. And and to be perfectly honest with you, um, I don't talk. Well, I do talk a lot about the pandemic, but I don't go too in depth with it because it's the same stuff over and over again. We're seeing it on the news all the time. It's a very complex kind of story. You really need to take a lot of time with it to get people to understand it. But lately, things have really heated up with the pandemic. You know, it's funny, when COVID-19 first came out and it started to level off a little bit, we thought, oh, good, this is over with. Then Delta raged up and it got back to a messy situation. And then when that started to fade out, we kind of felt like, okay, finally, this shit's over. But then all of a sudden comes Omicron. Now, Omicron, for all intents and purposes, isn't quite as lethal or dangerous as Delta or COVID-19, which is good. But this shit spreads quickly, very quickly. It's exploding all over this country. I mean, it's unbelievable the numbers of people that are ending up in the hospital, the numbers of people that are getting infected. I think uh, one of the doctors, Fauci or somebody, said that if you're unvaccinated, you can be almost guaranteed that you will get Omicron at some point. And to be perfectly honest with you, the people will that are vaccinated have a good chance of getting Omicron too. I will tell you this. I know of a lot of people who have been vaccinated and got Omicron not a big deal. Now, the anti-vaxxers are love to say, well, look, the vax doesn't work because they're still getting the disease, the virus. They've been explained this before many, many times. I'll do it again. It doesn't mean you're not going to catch it. You can get breakthrough cases. What it does do is save you from the dangers of a virus that could put you in the hospital and kill you. Now, the people I know that have had the vaccinations and have had Omicron, they barely notice it. It's a very light symptoms. They don't get really sick. It's a few days, and then they take a couple more days, and then they're done, and they're negative. So if that's the least you have to suffer through, well, then the vaccine is valuable to have. But the problem with this isn't about just catching Omicron. There's a lot more to this because it spreads so fast and it's mounting so fast. And here's the thing. They're telling us that the peak of the peak will be the last week in January. We're in the first week of January. So a lot of shit can happen between now and the end of the month. And they tell us it's going to get worse. Now, the bad thing is, of course, is people are getting sick. If you're not vaccinated, you might get hospitalized. You could maybe even die. Those of us that are vaccinated will be fine. We won't be hospitalized. But the toll it's taking on this country is immense. It is fucking amazing 
what is going on in this country. It's affecting first responders, hospitals, travel industry, schools, warehouses, all kinds of things. In fact, here's a few things. I've read someplace in, in the state out west, paramedics are working 80 hours a week because of shortage of people. Ambulances are picking people up, going toward a hospital, and then at the last minute hear that that hospital is full, so they now have to go to another hospital. And that can happen two or three times. Can you imagine having an emergency in your ambulance headed toward a hospital, wanting to get there as quickly as you possibly could, and they say, nope, no room at the end. You're going to have to try the one down the road. This isn't just impacting people that won't get vaccinated. This isn't just impacting people that are vaccinated. These are people in day-to-day lives that get injured, get sick, get hurt in some way that has nothing to do with the virus, but still needs medical care. But now they can't get medical care because we have all these unvaccinated people in the hospitals. So as much as somebody who's vaccinated won't get really sick or ill from Omicron, God help you if you get a broken leg or you're in a car accident or have a heart attack or something because all the anti-vaxxers are in the hospital clogging up all the hospitals. You see how that kind of impacts the country as a whole as opposed to just those people that happen to be against the vaccination. Now, New York City, for example, they have to delay Uh, trash pickups because of staffing shortages. They don't have enough people to pick up the garbage, so they got to delay it. That seems like a minor issue, but when um, it comes down to it, it can get quite messy. I don't know if you remember back in the 70s, there was a uh, trash hauler strike, I think, in New York, and it was a fucking mess. Now, there's no strike in, in NYC at this point, but we know the garbage piles up pretty quickly in New York City with that number of people there, and this is a significant problem. We know airlines are canceling flights by the thousands, and this is because of a couple of reasons. Of course, it's staffing. You don't have enough people to staff uh, an airline or an airplane. Uh, And you have to have, by law, a certain amount of people doing a certain amount of things. I just heard a story about um, some people we know that were going to go on an airplane. Now, they got to the airport. The airplane is there. The staff and the crew was there. But the pilot couldn't make it. But that's all right. They got another pilot who just came back from there who can take the flight. But wait a minute. He can't take the flight right away. He can take the flight, but he's already been flying for 10 hours. Now, it's mandatory he take a day break or a day and a half break. So he can fly that plane to get to the destination these people are waiting for, but not until a day, day and a half later. That's the kind of things that are happening in this country because of Omicron. It's, it, it's, it's really crazy. If you're not worried about the virus, that's fine. There's plenty of other issues that you're going to have to contend with based on the problems we have. Here's another one. San Francisco, 900 educators and aides called in sick last Thursday. Can you imagine that? 900 people call in sick. And I don't think they were playing games or I think they were truly sick. And so... Now you've got kids coming to school, and somehow you've got to serve them, educate them, short 900 staff members. Well, let's be perfectly honest with you. Classrooms are too big already. You take adults out of the, uh, 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 the equation, and it's going to make it that much tougher for the kids. I mean, these kids already went through one year trying to learn from home. And I know enough teachers, and I'll tell you this, it didn't work well. A lot of kids didn't learn anything that year where they stayed at home and they did the uh, telecommuting for education. Now, I know there's some of you people are going to say, well, in our district, it was fine. And yes, there were some districts that handled it very well. But there were a lot of big districts that 
didn't work out too well. And we can't, have, we can't afford to have any kids not educated for one year. But we're seeing that happening in schools again. They aren't closing down the schools. You know how the Republicans love, don't close down schools. Doesn't matter if they're not showing up because they're sick. It doesn't matter if the teachers can't come because they have the virus. One is trying to protect the other. And with the Republicans not wanting to close down the schools, they essentially get shut down anyways because everybody's got fucking COVID. This is why their concepts and their ideas are full of shit because you got to take care of the problem instead of ignoring the problem or saying the problem doesn't exist. The whole reason we are where we are today is because Donald Trump and the Republicans wanted to act like it didn't happen or it was a hoax or it wasn't going to be a big deal. It's kind of like what my mom told me when I was young. If you got a problem, meet it head on, take care of it, and get it out of the way. Because kids like to delay punishment or problems and that sort of thing, and they'll push it off and push it off and push it off. Then what happens is ultimately you have to pay the price. You have to be punished for whatever you did. And now that you've put it off for so long, the punishment is twice as bad. So you're working against yourself when you try to delay it. Own up to it, deal with it, get it done. Now, one gentleman that could stand to learn that lesson, of course, is Donald Trump. He's all about delaying everything, even though he knows he has nothing, uh, no law or foot to stand on. He tries to delay it, delay it. He thinks if I delay it long enough, it'll never happen. But that's not true. It will happen. And it will be worse because you did everything you could to try to avoid it. So... That's that's one of the big issues we're looking at with that. It's a little frightening to see what's going on in this country. We've got a lot of people not wanting to deal with the situation or putting off the situation, and that's just going to make it worse. If we could have got everybody wearing masks from the first time we had this pandemic and everybody to take the vaccination when they became available, this would be done. This would be over. We wouldn't have to deal with it again. But, of course, everybody has to have their input and say, I don't like masks, I don't like vaccines, so I'm not going to do it. Well, you're going to get Omicron and hope against hope that it is as light symptoms as they say. Because if they don't and you don't have the vaccination, you're going to get sick as shit. You're going to learn the hard way. I can't tell you how many people have said, Look, uh, I'm not going to get the vaccination. I don't know what's in it. I'll take my chances with God. And then they get COVID. And then they get real sick. They get put in a hospital. They get put on a ventilator. Then all of a sudden, (laughs) a light bulb goes off above their head. And they say, God, I should get the vaccine. Then the doctors tell them, hey, it's too late. It's not going to do you any good. You're going to have to deal with this. And then some of these people die unnecessarily, because their pride wouldn't let them give in and get the vaccination. They couldn't admit that they were wrong, so instead they died. Or family members have died, or husbands and wives have died because of their pride. I just want to mention one other thing, too, about COVID. Now, with all these cases out there, with Omicron and Delta and such, Uh, There's a lot of demand for COVID tests, except try to get a COVID test now. I've had some in-home tests that I've used with my wife and I a couple times, and they work fine, and and they were readily available at at the drugstore, but they're not now. There's been a run on COVID tests or try to make a scheduled COVID test in a a pharmacy or someplace like that. You've got to go way out to get into those places. People are going nuts. For all the people that don't believe in the virus, there's sure a lot of people wanting to take the test. So when you have a situation like that, it's very often the case you'll get people trying to take advantage of the situation. And here's the thing. There are some fake tests out there. And there's just a couple of things you have to remember. I know 
it, it can be tempting. You see a test sitting someplace, and you go, i got to have it, i got to have it. I can't find it anywhere else. But here's some things you should look at, because if you're taking a test on a fake test, it doesn't do you any good anyway. When you're looking at the box, make sure it's authorized by the FDA. Make sure the box says authorized by the FDA. Now, there are about 40 different tests that are real tests in this country currently. And you can go to the FDA website and look at all the uh, positive and uh, fake tests. They'll tip you off. Go to the FDA website. Make sure the test you have is real and not fake. And then you can feel comfortable taking it. And in addition, what you should do is what you always do with hotels, cars, whatever product you buy, check the reviews. You may be surprised, either positively or negatively. But don't just buy any COVID test because it gives you the wrong information. It's of no value to you. It doesn't protect you in the least. If you get your hands on a COVID test, as difficult as that is these days, check it out. Make sure it's real because you want to know what you're dealing with when we're talking about COVID, Delta, or Omicron. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So as of late, we've been hearing a lot about uh, the Russians and Vladimir Putin and the amassing of troops near the Ukraine border, essentially threatening Ukraine. Remember, they annexed Crimea, and now they're threatening Ukraine. This has got the rest of the world concerned, especially the United States. And to be perfectly honest with you, Vladimir Putin is probably just trying to push the limits, test these people, test Joe Biden. But he should know about Joe Biden. Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden know one another. They've talked multiple times back when Joe Biden was a, either a senator or a vice president. So this isn't a new situation at all. They know each other. I don't think they like each other very much. They certainly don't trust one another. Now, I don't know if Vladimir's distrust of Biden is well-founded, but we know Vladimir Putin he is not a trustworthy man. He is a liar. We also know that he is Donald Trump's best, best buddy. Now, the only reason why he's Donald Trump's best buddy is because Vladimir Putin knows how to play him. He's easy to be, easy to be played. And there's an advantage to Vladimir Putin being able to play a, for, a president of the United States because he can get away with a lot of stuff that he wouldn't normally be able to get away with. All Vladimir Putin had to do was flatter Donald Trump, and as far as Donald Trump was concerned, they're best buddies. He could trust him because Vladimir was being nice to him. Unfortunately, Vladimir spent many years in the KGB. He knows how to manipulate people, and damned if he didn't manipulate Donald Trump. And that means danger for this country. Russia is an adversarial country to the United States. They don't mean us any good at all. And when I say Russia, I'm not talking about the people of Russia. You know, it's kind of like the people of America. Most people just want peace and harmony and that sort of thing. But you got old white men at the top, whether they be in Russia or America, that like to grab power, like to make money, be greedy. And Russia's Vladimir Putin is no different than any of the politicians we have over on this side of the fucking ocean. So they're always flexing their muscles. They're always testing things, or what do they call it, rattling sabers to see how far they can get. So now Vladimir Putin has all these troops, some 100,000 troops, lining up near the border of the Ukraine, and that makes people nervous. So NATO sends in some troops. 
Now, Russia isn't part of NATO, and neither is Ukraine, so that's kind of a weird situation, but NATO's concerned. Russia takes over the Ukraine. That makes everybody else worried because it looks like Russia's trying to spread its wings and get into other countries. You let them into Ukraine, what's the next stop? So that's why they're doing it. Now, Vladimir Putin also has something to complain about, too. Apparently, there are missiles in Eastern Europe, and they say that worries them because they would be easily sent to strike in Russia. Now, whether they're really worried about that, I don't know, but they're certainly using it as leverage in trying to keep these troops near the Ukraine border. Now, the last time Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin talked, Joe Biden said in no uncertain terms that if you invade the Ukraine, there is going to be serious sanctions. And this is something that's going to terrify Vladimir Putin because they have a lot of economic problems in this country. With the kind of sanctions Joe Biden is talking about, and the other countries that will follow Joe Biden's lead, this would be devastating, catastrophic for Russia. It could cause some immense problems. So as tough as Vladimir Putin likes to talk, he's nervous too. They're just kind of rattling these swords, if you will, and we're going to find out and see who wins. Essentially, a game of chicken as we see so many times in politics. A game of chicken. Who has the most nerve? So now what's going to happen is I think next week, what are they saying here? Yeah, next week uh, there's going to be some meetings between Russia and America. And I don't, It's not going to be Biden-Putin. It's going to be top officials from both both countries, and there's going to be um, top officials from other European countries trying to work something out. Everybody's got a problem. <laughs> Everybody in the world has a problem with Russia having all these troops near the Ukraine border. Russia has a problem with NATO troops being there. Well, what do you fucking think, Vladimir? If it looks like you're going to attack a country, NATO, of course, is going to be in there and try to stop it or at least discourage you. But then he brings up some missiles that have been in Eastern Europe for years and years and years, and that's just convenient for him to use as a negotiation chip. So all these people are going to get together in Europe next week and try to work something out, <laughs> which I find kind of funny. I mean, when you think about all the negotiations and the getting together to work things out for the infrastructure bill or build back better or voting rights bill what we see is a lot of fucking nothing happening people just not following through either not understanding how to negotiate not able or willing to get anything fucking done i have to believe that when these people get together and start to discussing the ukraine situation they'll probably go at it for a few days then they'll go home They'll report back, and the problem will still happen. Then they'll go back, and maybe in a year's time, we'll get this thing figured out. Now, everybody's worried about the prospect of Russia attacking or invading the Ukraine. I don't think that's going to happen. Because, again, this is a game of chicken. Who's tougher? The moment they invade Ukraine, everything comes crashing down on them. Every sanction the United States could put against him, they will. Vladimir Putin knows that Joe Biden's not Donald Trump, and that shit will go down. And once the Americans impose those sanctions, so will every other European country that sides with America. So if they go and invade Ukraine, they know the shit's coming down. So they're not going to invade. But they're going to keep up this little facade, both Russia, America, and the Europeans, to do this little dance for a while, and I'm not sure exactly why. You would think after all these years going through these same kinds of scenarios that you'd say, look, let's stop the bullshit. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what you need to do. Just do it and step away. But, of course, with politics, that never fucking occurs. So these conversations apparently are going to happen next week. We'll probably hear little bits of things here and there. 
There won't be any resolution, I'm sure, in the first time around. Like I say, it's going to be two or three times before they come to some agreement. And then when they come to some agreement, all the sides will come out and say, hey, I won. We won. We got the better of everybody. All sides will say that. And then it will kind of go away until the next problem crops up. That's how it works as far as international diplomacy. Largely, it's a waste of time and a bunch of bullshit and unnecessary But uh, in this world, they need to do it. They need to go through the process. They need to waste the time to get it done. Now, don't get me wrong. Russia is a threat. You can't trust Russia. And if they went unchecked, they would go into Ukraine and take over in an instant. You know they would. And Ukraine really couldn't fight back. So, of course, NATO and the United States and the other European countries have to stand up and say, you do that, you're fucked. (laughs) And that keeps them in check. And that's where they'll be for the next six months or so, I'm guessing, before they come with some official treaty or whatever the fuck they want to call it, and then it will be done. So if you're worried about a war in Ukraine, don't worry about that. That's not going to occur. There's too much to lose by all sides to allow it to become a conflict. So it's not going to become a conflict. We'll see in time what exactly happens, but everybody will back down, claim to be the winners, and things will be quieter there for a time. Until such time we get a new president and Putin or whoever's in Putin's spot wants to test him again. It's a fucking game these people play. It's it's frustrating because you would think in this world with all the problems we have that there would be better ways to spend time and man hours, but apparently not. Now, as I've said before, as we start this new week, we're getting close to mid-January, and we're on a sprint. This country, Democrats particularly, are on a sprint because they've got a lot of things that they need to get done between now and November 2022. That's when the midterms take place. We know they're talking about this voting rights bill, and I told you before Christmas that at some point in this first quarter, early in this first quarter, I'm expecting some point in January that they will pass the voting rights bill. That is absolutely essential. That is the most important thing we can pass uh, as Democrats. If we don't pass it, that could affect a lot of elections and ultimately affect who represents you. It's a dangerous situation. This bill has to be passed. You know I'm big on the Build Back Better bill. I want to see that passed, and I think it will. But this voting rights bill, first and foremost, that needs to get done and now. And I think we're seeing a little bit of uh, give with Joe Manchin. He understands that they'll have to carve out the filibuster, so they only need 51 votes to win and they'll get this thing passed. I know he hates the concept of uh, cutting out the filibuster one time for one situation. Funny, they do it all the fucking time. Republicans did it when they wanted to put people into the Supreme Court. They did it when they raised the debt ceiling. Seemed to be no problem then, but right now the voting rights bill, oh, this is going to be tough. It's not going to be tough. They have to get it figured out. They will get it figured out. Once they get that worked on, they're going to start pounding on the Build Back Better bill. That's another bill that needs to pass. It's going to increase and improve the economy. It's going to improve the lives of middle-class people. And it's going to be a huge benefit to the Democrats come 2022. Now, you know, the thing is, I've been talking shit (laughs) about Republicans and Donald Trump for five years, literally. Now, I just got on TikTok a little over a year ago, and I've only been doing the podcast since May. But prior to that, I posted a lot of things on Facebook because, well, that's where fucking old people go. I posted a lot of comments. I wrote a lot of things, and I did a lot of videos. And I got a lot of followers for Facebook anyway. And... All that time, all that time, I've always gotten kickback, not surprisingly, from the Trump humpers, the Trump lafucks, the idiots. They 
hear something I say, they don't like it, they complain, they argue, they try to debate, but they really have no standing, so they're not very good in debating. Many times I've said to these people, you obviously think I'm stupid. Okay, I'll give you a chance to prove it. Let's you and I sit down on a Facebook Live in front of people that want to watch this, and you show me how stupid I am. You sit down and debate with me, and uh, we'll keep it civil. Nobody's going to yell and scream. I'm not, because that's not my way. I don't yell and scream about things. If you do it, we're going to cut you off right away, because that's not productive. But you come on with me on a live or Instagram live or something like that, and we'll hash this thing out. We'll see how dumb you make me. And we'll see who makes the best points in this debate. Now, since that time, I've realized there's no debating these fucking clowns. But at that point, I thought, okay, you want to fight? I'll fight. The one thing I have are my words and what I know about the topic, so I'll do just fine in a debate with you. You know, the funny thing is, I had many people say, yeah, I'll do it, I'll be there. But you know what? Not one of them ever did. Not one ever did. Now, the ones I've met in, I don't know, on the street, at parties, in stores, whatever, I'll get some Trump humper that wants to come up and argue with me. Now, as I say, I'm not somebody who will raise my voice. I haven't done that for years because I realize very quickly when I start losing my shit, everything gets worse. So logic tells me, force yourself to stay calm. And I did that for many years until it became second nature. So you'll never hear me yelling or screaming. I might, I might get a little intense with my speech, but it's always going to be measured and it's going to be pretty balanced. And that frustrates the Trump humpers. It just frustrates them because the only thing they have is yelling and screaming. And they're trying to bait you into that. And when you don't take the bait, that makes them matter. Now, it doesn't necessarily make them scream louder because they're already screaming louder, but they might get personal at that point. They might uh, push you, literally push you. And they're trying to get you to react and join in in this argument because that's where they think they win. They don't, but that's all they know. They're not the brightest people in the world. They need it to be a fight. And when it's not a fight, they don't know what to do with that because they don't have facts. They don't have knowledge. They don't have any way to articulate anything they're saying because they're fucking stupid. So that makes it problematic for them. Now, In the many times that I've tried to debate these people back when I thought there might be a chance that I could get them to see the light and understand the truth and common logic, yeah, I thought that one time. What always happened was they never listened to anything I said. All they were doing is planning on what they were going to say next to nail me whether it be a personal attack or whether it be some crazy conspiracy theory that they wanted to throw out. And I'd always counteract that. I'd I'd call them back on it. I never attacked them personally because there's no value in that. If you have to attack somebody personally in a debate, you've already fucking lost the debate as far as I'm concerned. And I wasn't going to lose. I wasn't going to give that up. They apparently don't understand those rules because they do it all the time. And I got very frustrated talking to these people on TikTok for the longest time. I let everybody onto my TikTok. And, of course, I'd be talking about politics, Donald Trump, the Republicans, whatever. And you know I tend to be a little outspoken and and, uh, speak my opinion about certain things. And that would always draw the trolls in, the Donald Trump trolls. They would come in. They'd make stupid statements. They'd make, uh, you know, they'd offer up insults. And none of that really bothered me. The one thing I liked about it is they created a lot more action on TikTok, and I got a lot more followers out of it. But then we came to the point where these clowns started reporting videos and trying to take accounts down, so I just shut them all out. Every troll I saw, I blocked them. Every troll I saw, I blocked them. 
Now, some people would say, well, you're just backing away from a fight. You're scared. No, no. I'm picking my fights. If I can't win a fight because you're not smart enough to understand it, what's the point of me fighting with you? My goal on TikTok or the podcast is to get information out to people who may or may not have that information. Get a group of like-minded people in one location, whether it be the podcast or TikTok, and talk about this stuff. Help people become more informed or understanding of what, in fact, is going on instead of the bullshit that you hear from the media, left or right, because they don't tell you the whole story. So on TikTok, I blocked them all. Now, there are people with tons and tons of followers, more followers than I have, but a large percentage of those followers are trolls. I don't want them as followers. I don't need a specific number of followers that I would accept anybody. The goal here isn't trying to, somebody said that to me, well, if you block all the trolls, you can't teach them anything. Well, the fucking fact of the matter is I can't teach them anything anyway. I could give them the smartest retort with all the facts and all the understanding of what's going on, and they aren't going to grasp it. They either aren't smart enough to grasp it, or they're unwilling to grasp it, and all they care about is their own agenda. They're fine with being evil as long as they get what they want. Or they're just not listening. And I think a lot of cases, they're not listening. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to know your opinion. All they want to do is barrage you with their opinion until you fold up and die. Now, I would hope that most people won't just fold up and die and accept anything because they're pounding on you. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm uh, fully equipped well enough that I could get into one of those yelling battles. I could talk longer and louder than they do, like they do to everybody else. But again, it's not productive. There's nothing to be gained there. Now, I hear from a lot of people who tell me, look, I get these Trump humpers coming up to me, and they say this, and they say that, and I try to say this, and it doesn't work because they aren't listening. They hear my podcast or they hear my TikToks and said, and a lot of them will take the things I say and use it as ammunition against these Trump humpers, which makes sense because we're talking about facts and the truth, which is always the best way to go in a debate. But what they don't know is what I do now know is that they aren't listening anyways. You can give them the best information in the world, the most solid information in the world. They're still not fucking listening. So there's really no point in engaging with these people at all. And I found the perfect way to respond to these people. And it's a very simple thing. You have to understand who your audience is when you're trying to figure out how to handle these situations, these debates with Trump humpers. First, you're not dealing with a very bright crowd. You're dealing with a bunch of people with fragile egos, people that are incredibly insecure, people that seem to have a need to convince you of their way of thinking, and they want to shame you for your way of thinking. So if we know walking into a situation, somebody walks in off the street or family member or whatever, they want the debate, first thing you should know is you can't win that debate, even if you're right, even if you're righteous, even if you have God on your side. You can't beat these people because they can't comprehend it, and they won't accept it. So there's no point in doing it. So given that I know they're insecure, they have fragile egos, they're not very bright, I came up with the perfect response to them when I run into them on the street, when I see them face to face, or on a video screen, on on a computer. The moment they start spewing conspiracy theories or stupid stuff or, or insulting you, the only thing you can really do that's going to hit them hard <laughs> is laugh at them. I mean, just laugh at them like they don't count, like they're, 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 they have no credibility. They're a joke. And trust me, That will bug the shit out of them, and it will make them mad. I've done it before. Somebody says something, and I just start laughing. I mean, I'm literally laughing. I'm I'm enjoying the entertainment of the stupidity of this person, and I start laughing. And they look look at you very weird, but you keep laughing, and then then you turn away, and you start walking away. 
Now, that's when they're going to attack you again. They're going to say, see, you have no facts. You libtards don't know anything. Just run away. And then I turn back at him, laugh harder. I go, I point at him, and I just laugh my head off, and I walk away. See what happens in that situation. They got nothing they were looking for. They didn't get the engagement. They didn't get to convince you of their way of thinking. And on top of that, you treated them like what they are, a fucking joke, an embarrassment, have no credibility. So you've made your point. You didn't waste your time. And they walk away fucking losers. They may try to make themselves believe that they're not losers, that they won that one. But because they're so arrogant, so fragile, ego-wise, and so insecure, it's fucking killing them inside. That is the best thing to do to these people. They aren't worthy of anything more than you're laughing at them or enjoying the entertainment of this clown show that is standing in front of you. So instead of arguing with them and try to get them to understand reason, realize that that can't happen. They aren't going to be reasonable. So laugh them off, embarrass them, and walk away. When you're talking about narcissists or people with fragile egos, the absolute worst thing you can do is embarrass them. Fucking hate that. I know this from experience. So you laugh at them, you'll walk away. If they call you back, laugh some more, then walk away. They can do nothing with it, and you've crushed their soul even if they don't want to admit it. That is the best way to deal with those fucking people. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I appreciate it immensely. If you have questions, comments, complaints, by all means, leave me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. You can go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer Podcast. You can leave me a voicemail there if you want to. I'm always anxious to hear from you. So you have a great rest of your weekend. We're going to be starting out the week on Monday. And I think things are going to start popping some more. I think every day we're going to be hearing new things in the investigations and bills and all those sorts of things. So there'll be a lot to talk about. So stay in touch with me here on the Rational Boomer podcast. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.